We want to come into that presence where we recognize we're not just a church, but we are in the presence of God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Good to be in church this morning. Nice to have all of you out that are here. It's beautiful weather, and with the beautiful weather, we enter the summer season where we make much of it in the north. And so there's a number of people that are traveling. Some have gone to Saskatchewan. Some have gone to British Columbia. There's meetings in Kelowna this weekend. The church in Kelowna has a 50th anniversary, so they've got meetings. Um, there's some that have gone to the coast, others that have gone to the mountains. But you are all here, and that is wonderful. So we welcome all of you. Nice to have some of the visitors with us. We greet you all. You may have your seats for a moment. I want to just share a few things. So if you just remain, if that's okay. You get a good window on everything from up here, so it's good. <laughs> um, I wanted to just give you a couple of updates. Um, uh, was communicating with Sister Rhea McIntyre regarding Brother Glenn, and uh, he is doing well, and uh, we're grateful for that. So we're happy for a good report there. Um, also, we have... Uh, Brother Don Kesser, who went in with heart pains and what was a heart attack, he had um, three stints put in. I'm going to just read it as Sister Marge shared it with me this morning. Please thank the congregation for prayer for Don. Three stints to clear the blockage. The echogram showed no heart muscle damage. He is at home recuperating and regaining his strength, and he is making much of Sister Marge that is helping him. And uh, no, I just put that in. <laughs> and, uh, we praise the Lord for his mercy and grace. He is our healer. God bless you for your prayer and concern, Brother Don, Don and Sister Margie Kesser. So we thank the Lord for that. And uh, also this week in the hospital, um, Sister Lydia who, Wild, who had a stroke, it left her left side paralyzed and she was unable to talk or swallow. We had been praying, and I was actually talking with a brother in uh, British Columbia, and we were talking about a man there who had undertaken a stroke, and he was in hospital and was paralyzed from the waist down, and God had begun to move on his life, and he was walking, much to the amazement of the doctors. And as I was talking to this brother, I just said, well, there's no reason God can't do the same for Sister Lydia. So actually, and, and I believe you were praying and others were praying, and so her left side, or her right side rather, was, was paralyzed. It, when you look at her, it's the left when you're looking at her, but it's her right side. So was, was paralyzed, she was unable to talk or swallow, but she, in the next day, began to move her left, her arm, her right arm. She was also able to eat and swallow and and it's been getting better. And we thank the Lord. And the Lord's really looking after her. And uh, the reason we know that, I got a picture this morning. And uh, on, on the picture, uh, the um, Sister Ruth Hoyer and uh, Sister Elsie um, McDermott, they're both at the hospital this morning. And uh, they're both daughters of Sister Lydia. 
They're, they're at the hospital, and there was a nurse that was drawing blood, and it looks a lot like Sister Kezia. She was drawing blood from Sister Lydia, so God's watching over her in more ways than one. So that was really a blessing, and uh, so it, it was really good. So we were, we were happy to give that report and, uh, and grateful for it. Brother Andrew Dodd has also just texted us. They had some good meetings in Addis Ababa. I believe they're moving out into the countryside this week. Brother Andrew and Brother Tim Dodd are there in Ethiopia, so we want to remember them in prayer. Um, Brother Tito, as I mentioned, is back, and so we're going to have tonight a little report between Brother Tito and myself on Guatemala, and we're going to just make it kind of a little bit more of a service where we give a little bit of that, but I also want you to be prepared because I think it's important we testify. So if you have a little short testimony, and I mean short, if you're, I'm going to cut you off if you're more than three or four minutes, but a short testimony you want to share tonight, you come prepared to share that. Can, is that all right? We're going to make a little room for that as well tonight. So I, I'm, uh, I'm grateful for all of these things. I'm grateful for what God is doing. And uh, it's, it's really good. The other day I was out just walking, and God has ordained our steps. I know He does, because uh, when we were in British Columbia, and, and my wife and I on our anniversary, we were out in, in West Van, Vancouver, and we walked into a little store, and here is like uh, four sisters. And... Uh, and several of them were from British Columbia, two were from Saskatchewan, and we just, we met them, and we just started conversing, and, and, it, was, and it was like just a blessing in the day. And then, you know, to top it all off here the other day, I'm just going to get gas. I'd, I'd gone past the gas station. I'll go up and get some gas at Costco, and then I thought, oh, maybe I'll just run in and get something. And so who's there? There's this other couple that's there, and it's... it's uh, well, the Courtney family, let's just say it that way. And, and here, you know, is, they're just all there, and they noticed us. And, and uh, so it was just wonderful. We had a great connection, and it was really good. Isn't it good to be part of the family of God? Oh, my, it's wonderful. You know, when you, when you meet a believer and you recognize, hey, we've got something more in common than just attending the same church. We've got the same spirit that, that connects us, and, and it's wonderful. Well, I, I want to, let's just stand together. I want to, it's Mother's Day, and I, I want to just read the scripture a little bit, and then I want to get into a message that kind of is in that, that vein. But um, I just want to sing, uh, this is my story, this is my song, Praising My Savior. I don't think that's the title, but I, I never get the title. Is that the right title? It is. Okay. Blessed Assurance, that's the one. See, I, I knew it was something, but you all know what I meant. If I came out and I hit every note just right, and I told every song and every lyric just right, you would all think that the rapture has happened. <laughs> and it will one day. <laughs> but for now, I'm still Brother Ed, okay? So let's just sing this. <laughs> Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a This is my 
Bibles, let's just turn to that. Thank you to the musicians. I believe he's, if he is, your story and your song. I believe he is our song. He's the words to the music. He's the melody. He's everything. I, I trust that you are blessed in your walk with him. Let's just turn this morning. I'm going to short, short change you there just for a moment, Sister Ruth. I'm going to actually read a scripture I wanted to share on for Mother's Day, but I We'll just go to Proverbs 31. It's not really in my text, but I want to just take a few moments to do this. But Proverbs chapter 31, if we can. And I, I want to read there from verse 10. So Proverbs 31, verse 10, we'll read to verse 12, and then we'll skip to verse 25. Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Now we you can read all of this, but it goes into showing the attributes in verse 13 right down to verse 24. But let's, let's just pick this up in verse 25. 
Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. Now, I, I want you just to think about this. Often a mother in her, or a woman in a household in doing her daily duty is maybe not appreciated, not fully recognized, and, and maybe there's many times of maybe discouragement, you know, uh, I, I just get up and I do the laundry and I fix the meals and then I do it all over again and then I do this and I do this. But the Bible says her reward, she shall rejoice in time to come. Now I, I want you to think about that because it doesn't always appear what we're doing, but God sees it and he knows it. So that, that just a thought I want to drop in this morning. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looks well to the ways of her household, and she eats not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. I think there's no greater honor than your children come and say, Thank you, Mom. I mean, from the heart, not just because it's Mother's Day, but in real appreciation. I think that in itself is a great, great reward. And I took the moment this morning to call my mother and just to say, uh, you know, Happy Mother's Day. We had a little gathering yesterday at our house, but I, I just uh, am grateful. I would not be who I am today without my mother. I, I will just say that of a truth this morning. I, what you see of Brother Ed would not be what it is except for the mother I had. So it says, her children arise up, call her blessed, her husband also. So it's Mother's Day, but husbands, her husbands also. <laughs> and he says, and he praises her, many daughter, daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Amen. God bless his word. You may have your seats. This will not really be fully my text, but I just wanted to take these few moments because as I was just looking at, at the service today, and, and I will pick up this maybe in a different aspect. But um, today is a day when many people will go out for Mother's Day or recall their mother. There are many gatherings, which there should be. But I believe it should be more than that. And I believe we should give honor to uh, our mothers and the place that they have in the economy of God and in our families. So it's more than just a day. It's a natural day, but it's a... It's, it's very much an integral part of the spiritual economy of God. So there are many homes in the nation. There are many homes where there are mothers that provide meals for their children, that will do the tasks at home. They will, will assist with laundry and house cleaning, and those are tasks we associate, and they're no, by no means meant to be menial. But there's another aspect of it that is so much greater. And the prophet would say, a mother is the fifth gospel. So, in other words, there's four gospels, but the fifth gospel is that which a mother brings to her children. Now, that's not just natural task, but that is 
what you provide spiritually as a bedding ground in the home for children to be nurtured and brought up in the correct way. So raising children, and, and that's, you know, again, not, not just, just something that, that's there, but, uh, you know, many, many, many women give birth to children, but not all are true mothers. A true mother is not just looking after the natural, but also the spiritual. Now, there was a woman named Nancy Hanks, uh, and her last name was Lincoln. She had no formal education. She stressed, though, the importance of learning. She was always ready, and she taught her children, and she shaped a man who became the 16th president of the USA. Her son, she died when, when Abraham Lincoln was nine years old. But in those nine, those nine years that he lived, she shaped something in him, so much so that Lincoln said these words, all that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Now, that is a man who became a great man in, in, in the circle of the United States. He was a godly man. And, uh, you know, very different than, than the level of the presidents as we might know them or the leaders of today. But there was another uh, great uh, woman in the Bible, and Brother Branham would refer to her. And it was Susanna Wesley. And he says she had 19 children. Now, I know that was a different time, but, but nonetheless, 19 children and out of those children, the 15th that was born was John Wesley. And John Wesley was one of the messengers that, that God had ordained uh, as, as the seven spirits that went out. But John Wesley was one of those, the sixth one. And, and so now just look at what God ordained to nurture him and to bring him to the place he was. Uh, John and Susanna Wesley as father and mother. Father was a preacher. Mother was a consecrated saint. Although she had 19 children, she found much time through her busy day to teach her children Bible lessons and Bible stories and pray for them. Now that's what made them boys what they were. The great songwriter Charles and then his brother who gave the world some of the most inspired songs that we've ever had, Charles and John Wesley, but they had a mother named Susanna. And, and, and Brother Branham used this as an example because in the day we live in and the time we live in, there is, 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 seems to be a greater pressure because of the things of life, and it leaves some of these things left undone, taking time to read the Bible taking time to pray together, setting something aside. I, I will say we need to set something aside and take time with these things. And, and you, 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 you'll never find it convenient in Satan's Eden to make time. You have to make it is exactly what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to make that time. And he's, now he's talking about the importance of it and he says, a woman told me I can't find time to read my Bible to my children. And then he referred Susanna Wesley. 
She spent three hours a day, no modern conveniences. She didn't press a button to wash her dishes. She didn't turn on a tap to get a little water out. She packed it from the spring in an old wooden bucket and a gourd dipper, packed it from the spring and raised 17 children and spent three hours a day in prayer and with her children. What did she get out of that? John and Charles, hallelujah, he says, men that shook the world in their days. That's what we need today, mothers and people that are consecrated, that put God first. I believe we have some of those mothers in our church. I believe we've had some in the past. I believe we have some, and I believe God is desiring for more to be raised. And I, I would say it. So, Brother Branham, just to conclude this thought, he says, maybe you're sitting here tonight, an old mother that's raised a bunch of children, raised them as Susanna. She could find three children, three hours a day. That's the reason to lead them to God. That's the reason she had a Charles and a John. Nowadays, we push a button, wash the dishes, push a button, and we haven't got time for nothing. John Wesley would say this, I learned more about Christianity from my mother than all the theologians in England. Now, I, I want you to think of this because I'm, I want to speak on an aspect of motherhood, but it's not just on duties, but it's on the spirit that comes with it. And I'll just come to it in a minute. There is a spirit associated with a mother that translates to that child from birth and even before birth. But from birth and it bonds them and it brings them and how God chose that vehicle to bring forth children unto himself. Now I, I, I want to say it that way because I believe it's important. Now Brother Branham would also go on to say, and this is in a message, Mother's Day. Mother is so great, you know. The first one that received you in this life is your mother. I mean, the dad was there too. I, be, I believe he's there too. But it's the child was birthed from a womb, was birthed from the body of the mother. No one can touch you. Be, he says, because you're conceived, she bears you under her heart. She is the first to know you the first in this life to hold you. And when you're born, she is the first hands that touch you and wipes the tears out of your eyes. She is the first one to pat you and to love you and to coo over you. Now, I, I want you to think about that word because if you know the message, Brother Branham would talk about the Spirit of God that once brooded over the earth, brooded and cooed over the earth. Okay, so now he will say, that's the first one is your mother. Now I think there's enough, there's not enough honor that we could give a mother. And I don't want to just do this because it's a form, but I want to say this genuinely. If you have a godly mother, respect her, not just today, but respect her every day. Thank God for her. And the more you live a godly life, the more you give, the more honor you bring to her. And I believe we ought to do that with all that we can. Amen. So I'm going to, I want to take this now just a little different way, just so we move our service along. 
And I'm going to ask you to turn to a couple of scriptures. First of all, John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And uh, I want to speak this morning, if I can, on a subject called birth. I'm going to say this, birth by the Spirit to an ordained womb. Birth by the Spirit to an ordained womb. And I'm going to take a couple of scriptures. John chapter 3. Uh, this is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, starting in verse, uh, let's start reading in verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, that I said unto you, you must be born again. So now he's, he actually gives him two qualifications here. A man cannot enter the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And then he also says a man cannot see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Now, how important is that? Now, Jesus is giving this teaching to a man who was learned in the Word and in the Scriptures, but now he's directing him to another aspect of the Word, which is the Spirit. And he's saying, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not when I say you must be born again. Verse 8, the wind blows where it listeth, and thou canst can, hearest the sound thereof, but you cannot tell from whence it cometh and whither it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. In other words, you can't bottle it up. You can't box it up. You can't put everybody in the same box. But if you're born of the Spirit of God, when it comes on you, it may make you act and govern yourself in one way. When it comes on your brother or your sister, it may be different. When it comes on me, it may be different. So we don't bottle up the Spirit, but we also recognize from where it comes. That source is God. And that source moves us, and it keeps us in the pages of the Bible, but the motivation is from God. So I'm, I'm going to use this now, John chapter 6, a couple verses over. Let's just drop down to verse, um, verse, actually let's read first. I'm going to read this first in verse 15. Sorry, Sister Ruth, I'm, I'm jumping around a bit. No, sorry, John, sorry, John chapter 6, I'll, I'll come to verse 15 later, sorry. Verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. Now, I, in, I won't have time to read all the scriptures associated with this, but in Corinthians, it would talk about the letter, the letter of the law. The letter doesn't do anything, but it says it's the spirit that we need to quicken that letter. I'm going to read also in Romans, just to, to move it along. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And Paul will speak here about the law of the spirit. He said, There is therefore now no condemnation to them 
which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Drop down to verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. God bless his word. Now, I'm going to start just directly. I want to read this from the message, Invisible Union. So my title again is, Birthed by the Spirit to an Ordained Womb. And I'm going to read this from Invisible Union. Now, Brother Branham will talk about a woman, and this is a, a tremendous message. But he says, a woman has committed three sacred virtues. So this sacred is the virtu sacred virtue, sacred womanhood, and sacred motherhood to honor her husband. He says, what a sacred trust, what a responsibility to a woman. Now we see why she's a type of the church, and she has the same responsibility. As a woman has a sacred responsibility to her motherhood, to her virtues, to her husband. Now, these are natural things, but now Brother Branham carries them over into the spiritual. So now it's not just the sisters, but it's including all of us. We have a vessel this morning. We have a, a habitation that, that somebody is trying to get a hold of. Either God's going to try to get a hold of it or the enemy's going to try to get a hold of it because a spirit needs a womb in which to operate. A spirit needs a vessel in which to express itself. Now God also wants to express himself and so does the enemy. So now he will go on to say, <coughs> now as a woman has these responsibilities to her husband, so the church has a sacred responsibility to prayer and to the word and to Christ just the same as the woman has. Now let's just stop. Responsibility to prayer. We can't emphasize this enough. Jesus himself took time from the crowds to go into a mountain part, a place, a, a place to pray. We need to keep our spirits clean. We need to keep our, our vessels clean. Jesus would, you know, knowing that God would use this vessel, he had to take time to ensure that his spirit stayed clean. We need to do the same. So it's number one to prayer, number two to the word. Somebody asked Charles Spurgeon, he said, what's more important, praying or, or, or reading your Bible? And he said, well, uh, when you breathe, what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? You need both. <laughs> so praying alone isn't enough. 
You know, praying alone is not enough, but also reading the Word. The two come together. There's times I wake up in the morning, I'll go to prayer, and I just feel like, I, I, you know, there's too much in my mind, and I'll just start to read the Bible a little. And as I read the Bible a little, then I'll drop on my knees and start praying. Other times I'll just go right to prayer, and then I'll open the Bible. But I, 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 the two have to work together. So it's a responsibility if you want Christ to operate through you. And the more you allow room for it, the more he'll come in. Okay? And it says to prayer and to the word and to Christ, that's our husband, just the same as the woman has. Now, Brother Branham will, will, will go and, and he'll talk now. He'll say about this bedding ground or the womb as we call it. We find that her body is the bedding grounds. Therefore, it's a sacred trust not to defile that. Now, I'm speaking to you as an illustration to show, show where the church stands. Now, he says, I'm not speaking of you women, but he's talking of us as a church. Whatever you are, between you and God, I'm speaking of, of Christ, the church in Christ. So, now, she is given to bring forth life that only God himself can give to her. Now, you can follow the mechanics of the word to the letter, but it will not do anything unless the dynamics come on it. And we need the dynamics this morning. If this is going to be just a service by the letter, we're going to fail this morning. But you have come this morning with a spirit that is in you. And if the spirit that is in you is not just motivated by your head, i got to show up at church or the deacons will call me. i got to show up at church or my family will look at me or my dad or my mom or, you know, whatever it may be. But you got to say, and, and the prophet would bring it in Christ the mystery so well, he'd say, now if the spirit that is in you doesn't long to be in church when those doors open, then there's something wrong. So it's a spirit, it's a life that's in you. I am glad for Sunday morning. I, I, I'm glad in a couple respects. You know, we'll, we'll, around our house we'll get, you know, we'll, we'll get dressed on Sunday morning. And it feels good to get dressed up and to come to church. Oh, oh my. Let's, you know what? This world has come, and, it, and, and I will say COVID has come in and, and, and reduced that idea of showing up at church. And I would say even spirits that are around will, will do it. Now, I recognize that there are reasons. There are some that cannot come. There are some that cannot do it. There are circumstances. There's shift work. There's all of these things. But if you're able and you can be in church, you ought to be in church. There ought to be something I would want to be in church. I was with Brother Glenn in the hospital. He said, oh, I miss church. I want to be in church. I think that ought to be a spirit that's in us. And I, I think, <coughs> you know, it, it can become a drudgery. Well, I, I think, Lord, refresh us. Yeah. And, and, and make, it, make it something that we want to be here in fellowship with Christ and with my brother. So it's actually a spirit. So he says, now, she is given. Her husband may be the germ bearer, but God has to produce the life. All life comes from God. Now, this is all out of invisible union. And he says, she has this sacred trust. That's committed to her by God. She must not defile that virtue. Now, the first Eve, she was also given a mate, and, and she was going to reproduce, but the enemy came in and defiled that womb. 
So now there is going to come at the end uh, an, an Eve who will not fall. An Eve who will not defile her womb. And I, and I would say, friends, we're bombarded. I, I, I wake up. I don't wake up on the mountain every day. I wake up discouraged some days. I wake up, but you need to recognize that is just in your spirit realm. And you're subject to disappointment, you're subject to discouragement, you're subject to the blues, but down underneath there, I start by resisting that. I say, Lord, I, I, I might feel this way today, but Lord, you're the one that lifts up. And I, I just was waking up here, and, and, I, and I thought, why are you, like, I had, I went to bed on a, on one night, just in the Word and just enjoying it, woke up the next morning, and it's like, what in the world hit me? And I said, and I just started to think about the scriptures. And David said, why are you cast down, O my soul? Rejoice in the Lord all the time. And I, I feel like when those things come, I don't need to just succumb to it. I can lift up above those things. I can, I can take God's word and be like David. In the middle of battle, David encouraged himself. Friends, there is so much discouragement. And, and listen, we don't need to do the devil's work for him. You know, and, 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 you know, once in a while, like, maybe we need to speak out and say something about a situation. But I say more often than not, we need to lift up. We need to encourage. And you need to recognize the value of the body making intercession for itself. Pick up the phone and talk to somebody. Text somebody. Do something. It means a lot. It meant a lot to go to Costco and, and meet Brother Eric there the other day. And I, I said, hey, Brother Eric, how are you doing? And he's looking good. He's looking really good. And, and I said, hey, Brother Eric, how are you doing? I says, you might be the star of the show today, but on Sunday, it'll be your wife. And it'll be your daughter, who are both mothers. So take a back seat in a moment. So you're taking a back seat today. It's you, Sister Diane. I, I'll tell you what, it was encouraging just to have that. Don't, don't you feel that way? What, what is it about the body, and, and you meet somebody, it encourages them. Let's take the anti-type for a minute. What causes people to paint their faces orange and blue and go to a game all night long? Hey, they get in the spirit. Hey, somebody was trying to paint me in that spirit. Circulating on the chat and doing things and, and, and rejoicing over it. Oh, fine. I'll do the same thing. I'm going to put a heavenly choir and I'm going to put your pictures in there. And I'll say, that's the true type. You can digress to that type if you want. I don't think I don't know these things. I know these things. You just think you're getting away with it. No problem. Brother Andrew knows too. <laughs> Listen, I, I think we ought to just say, hey, we're here for a good time this morning. We're here to lift each other up this morning. I think there's a spirit among us this morning that can actually work and in, cause you to lift up and go out of the church service today and feel better. That's what church is about. That's why we gather together. It's, it's not just, oh, you better show up because, no, I, I, I want you, I want to be here. I want you to be here. I, I want you to be helped. I think we all want to be helped. Now, I got I to really move on with this. Now, Brother Branham, this is where it really came to me. 
And, and Brother Branham is talking now in the flashing red light sign of his coming. He'll say, now, the moment when a mother is fixing to have a baby, you notice, I don't care how cruel she's been, how mean. Now, he's talking about just a woman. But she's an expectant mother. Now, he says, no matter how cruel, how mean, and he says, a, a while before that baby is born, the mother gets gentle. Now, what is it? Is it the mother? No, it's the spirit of that new one coming. But it affects the mother. And he says, now, them little muscles in that wound twitching and jumping, there's a heavenly body. So let's not reduce the message to just words. It's a spirit realm. Friends, there, there's a spirit realm here this morning. There, there's a heavenly host that is desiring to get in our midst. There's a, there's a spirit of God that is desiring to manifest itself. Yeah, and you've got to choose. You know, what will I use this vessel for? Am I going to allow it to express itself more at a hockey game or a soccer game or, or more because a car with, with, with loud vibrations is coming down the road? Or am I going to choose when I get in the house of God and they start singing songs? Am I going to choose to express it with that? There's a spirit that's waiting for the womb. I, I want to be a part of that. Tonight we'll, we'll show some, some video clips of the believers singing in Spanish. You might not understand a word, but you'll check by the spirit that is upon them. They are worshiping. There is something that is happening. Now, he says, when that spirit comes around, it causes her to get gentle. And he says, and it comes from the mother. They pick it up. That, that baby, they shock it, they spank it, and he says there's something, and it catches the breath of life. That little angelic spirit comes into it, so that spirit that was on the mother now comes into that child, and it catches the breath of life and becomes a living soul. Now, now I was just thinking about this in a natural realm, okay? Now, let, let's go a little further, because... I, I really want to, to, to take this in, in a level. Now, I'm just going to take a couple quotes out of the, one of the church ages. Brother Ram talks, and, and I really, I, it was wonderful for me to go overseas. I wish you all could have come. But when you can see sometimes the message outside of what you're used to, and you can see what it's doing around the world, friends, it is, it is God in this message. And this message is a womb if you can just begin to think of that this way. And it's not just, it's, it's not just in books and tapes. They're, they're as dry as dry can be. But the womb is really the living component which you make it like the Shunammite woman. She built a place for the prophet to come by. And, and, and the message doesn't do anything until it comes to a womb. And, and here's the devil. You know, we can go 10 weeks without picking up a message book. We can go days without picking up our Bible. How is God ever going to come to that? How are you ever going to go into a rapture like that? I, that's a bit of a rebuke, but at the same time, it's also an encouragement. Pick it up. Make it a habit. And watch the Spirit come to it. It's a truth. Friends, that's, that's where we're living. The message is, is what God is coming to. Now, I, I, if I just take this. He says, now, church ages. 
And, and he will see this. Now, it takes the Holy Spirit to give us a revelation, or we'll fail to get it. Bringing these two thoughts together, it will not take ordinary study and thinking to make this book real. Okay, now, uh, well, it's not going to take that, therefore I won't pick up a book. That's not what it said. It's going to take an operation of the Holy Ghost. This book cannot be revealed to anyone but a special class of people. A special class of people. Sister Ruth, just take John 15, verse 16, and pop it up there for me, if you will. Just hold that thought. A special class of people. It will take one with prophetic insight. It will require the ability to hear from God. Now, look at this. Jesus speaking to his disciples. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I have ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Now you're ordained if you're here. I believe God has brought you here, brought you into your family. Maybe had your fathers and forefathers hear the message and you are in a channel. And that channel is a womb, if you can see it. And that womb, now the womb is going to take an operation of the Spirit. You might be in the correct womb. But it's going to take the moving of the Spirit to birth you. And you need to give yourself to that. Now, he will say this. It will take one with prophetic insight. The ability to hear from God. It will require supernatural instruction. Not just a student comparing verse with verse. Okay, you can just, just bear with me. I know when I was in the world, the spirit that dominated me. And, and you may not have gone in the world, but you also know what pulls your flesh. And you all will have a pull. And it will not be a pull of God, it will be a pull of the enemy. Whatever way you're weak. Now, you can be a young person, you can be a young man, uh, you can be like I was in the back corner of the church, you might be uninterested, you might whatever, but I'd say this, there's a God that's here today that's real, and there's a devil that is also real, and these two spirits are in this building this morning. And I, whatever way you lean is whatever you're going to get out of this service this morning. But I'll say this, you might be in the right place, but you might not be in the right spirit. You might not be in the right frame of mind. You might not be your season yet, and you can just say, well, I'll put it off till that comes. No, there's a season when God's going to put his finger on things. If you're a seed of God, he's not going to allow you to sit dormant. He's not going to allow you to be that, but God's going to call you. Now, I know what spirit was upon me when I was in the world. I know what I gravitate to very easily. Now when God got a hold of me, and when he got a hold of me, and I really was thinking of this, Brother Harold always used to sing that song, Something Got a Hold of Me. I, I feel like we should have a few brothers sing that, that one more time again here. I think we need to hear it. it just, I was thinking about how God moves, how he's, he began to move in my life, and how he still moves, and how the enemy comes years after I've been saved, and tries to take that away. But God keeps moving. 
Because the spirit that is coming to this message, to the ones that hold this message in their hearts, it's ordained. It is meant. It is going to happen. God is going to see it. That spirit will bring you to it. That's the spirit of adoption that we're under. And so you've got to recognize that that spirit, I was in the world and I knew. I knew. Even though I was taught right, I knew the first time I did wrong. My heart was beating. I knew when certain things were said amongst friends and they'd curse the name of Jesus. Something didn't sit right with me in that because I was taught right. Now, I didn't have the fortitude at that time. And I walked into a lot of things. And I knew when God started to pull me out of that. And all of a sudden, it may be even a little thing like cursing. Now I'm out of it. And now all of a sudden, I'm hearing a spirit of, of, of the name of the Lord being used in vain. And God this and God this and Jesus this. And I'm going, I'm not just, my spirit is being affected by the spirit that's causing them to say that. And I recognize these are two different spirits. They're using that name, not maybe out of ignorance, but there's a spirit that's dominating their life. And I knew that. Friends, I knew what music was like. I, I, I mean, if, if in the day I would have had all of the recordings on VHS or whatever you have it on digitally, but in my day it was records. I knew what was behind some of those things and those beats and what was behind it. And now I look back in the words and I go, what in the world was I thinking? But I know something changed me. I know where I can walk in a restaurant and that which I once played at many decibels higher in my basement bedroom and my mother would just go crazy with it. I know that the spirit that's in me now has nothing to do with that. Because I feel like going in and telling the manager, unless you turn that down, I am not shopping, I am not eating in this store. That's how much this spirit that's in me is contrary to the spirits in the world. Friends, the governor that we go by is not our brains. The governor is not measuring people by what I think and I think. The governor is your spirit. The Bible says, grieve not the Holy Ghost that is in you. And I say that that spirit that's in us, that ought to be your guide. That ought to be the very thing that repels you from something. You might not understand it, but you might just take, okay, God, that's you in me. And you're telling me, you're warning me. I don't understand it, but something's going on here. That's our governor. And when, when we get too far, let's say we start to fade and we get backslidden, that spirit still remains and it brings you back. And when you go overboard and get this way and you become a religious zealot, he brings you back into the middle of the road. Oh, friends, we ought to be thankful for the Holy Spirit this morning. <coughs> Not because we carry books and tapes under our arms, but we have the spirit in us. We ought to thank God this morning. Now, he says now, it will require supernatural instruction, not just a student comparing verse with verse, though that is good. But a mystery requires the teaching of the Spirit, or it never becomes clear. Oh, how we need to hear from God and lay ourselves open and become yielded to the Spirit to hear and to know. Now, at the beginning he says... It's not ordinary studying and thinking that makes the book real. 
We are living in an age where reading has become a pastime. I, I don't like to read. And so we don't open our Bibles. We don't open the message book. So if you can't read, then I'm going to put it to you this way. Put it through your ears. Have it on when you're driving down the road. Put the Bible on audio form. If, you, if, you're, if you're growing up in that and say, I've never just felt that way. I, I love to read. I love to, to look at it, meditate, study. I love to go for a walk and listen to things. But somewhere you need to have a place for this because the Spirit, the Spirit always comes to the Word. The Spirit always comes to the Word. Let me, let me share something with you. Now this is... This, this was in a message, does God ever change his mind about his word? Because you're ordained. Now, this, this came up in, in, in study this way, but it says now. He's ordaining a number of ministers in church that morning. And he says, he just finished ordaining Brother Blair. We're with you. We're 100% behind you. God bless you. And then another brother stands up, and he says, Brother Branham, I'm here for ordination. And he says, oh, who are you? He says, I'm Merlin Anthon. He says, oh, okay. In the church, he says, how many knows our brother Merlin Anthon? He's new to me. Oh, he's with the Salvation Army. Oh, yes, pardon me. I remember you. From the Salvation Army. That's right. I remember him. Now, 1965, a member of the Salvation Army stands in the church and wants to be ordained. <gasps> He's not in the third pole. He's not in the moving of the word. Hands off. Oh, Brother Rand's a prophet. He'll pick that up. He didn't even recognize him. And then he recognized him. Now watch. Watch how he handles this. I remember him. His face didn't look too familiar. How many knows him to be a man of God? Congregation says, amen. They believed in saying amen in that time. And <laughs> How many believes that God is working with him? Raise your hand. They raised their hand and they said amen too. That's two plugs I put in for that. Okay. Will you pray for him? Amen. Now listen how Brother Branham's doing this. A member of the Salvation Army. Wow. Oh, brother, we know you're coming from a great group of people. Now watch this. We know you're coming from a great group of people, the Salvation Army. They're a great people. But, but the Salvation Army does a great work out on the street. And we can say nothing against the Nazarene or the Pentecostal church or the Salvation Army or any of them. They are brethren. But you see, we believe that we are carriers of a great message this very hour that we're living in. And he says, do you want to do that with us? Oh, I like that. He doesn't attack them. He says, look, you're doing something. God is with you. But do you want to come and do this with us? In other words, there's a spirit in us. It's real. <laughs> And then he said, let's bow our heads while we lay hands on our brother. Oh, I like that. Friends, that's the mature message in operation. That is not just, you're against us, you're this, you're this. No, we are not a cult. We are the same Jesus Christ that walked among Pharisees and spirits, but also disciples. We're birthed by a spirit. 
Not just a floating spirit, but a spirit that comes to this word. <laughs> Brother Branham, in what house will you build me? It was one of the last messages he ever spoke. I know that each one of you, if you feel like I'm do, I do, I'm so hungry to see the Spirit of God moving. I can hardly stand it. Some experience I've had on the mountain, just to feel that again. That something when I was first saved, that was so glorious to my heart. Oh, friends, it's, God has not left. Sometimes we have put him in a box. We have let it become common. We have allowed it to this, but he is just and fresh and real as the day he saved you. And what do you need to do sometimes? Just revive yourself. Not talking about a workup, but just start. Okay, I'm going to put aside the phone a little bit today. And I'm going to go for a two-hour walk without the phone. I know some of you are shaking the minute I suggested that. Now, but if you start with that, and you start to do that, and you walk with him, and you come back, I will tell you whatever was attracting you on this device will mean less to you after you do that. Now, yeah, the Spirit's ordained, but there's a devil who also knows that. And he has got every distraction working. He's got everything coming against you this morning. But oh, just say, oh, but you know, they're having meetings over there. And you know, they're having meetings over there. And, and we just got a regular meeting. What the, who, when, when did God only go to special meetings? God is part of the regular services. What, what, where did we get this thinking from? My goodness. It's what you make of it. Yeah. Friends, I, I came to a service one time. They had a special speaker announced, and, 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 and he was there, and I thought, that's it. And then he said, I can't speak this morning, but I've got this local minister who can speak for us. I sank. And I said, no, wait a minute. Stop, stop. I got on my knees this morning, and I prayed, I want to meet God. That request has not changed. And I started feeding on that message, despite everything, and God blessed me. And I will say, come with that expectation. It's not the spirit in just a man. It's the spirit you bring to the service. We are ordained as a people. He says, now, I can't stand it just to have that feeling. He said, now, as I sit in the desert, I watch my brethren. I watch their feeling in the spirit. And I see something's wrong. I feel that we're reclining. We're getting away from the spirit. It's become too natural for us. I, I listen, while I'm here, just give me this little bit of liberty. Somebody comes... And starts worshiping God. And, and we all look. What's with him? Shame on us. Shame on us. And that doesn't mean on the other hand. It's a work up. But I feel like. If somebody wants the liberty. Why not let them have the liberty? Shame on us. If we, who says we have to put the message in a box? 
Whatever God wants to do in our midst, I want him to do it. And I want you to feel the liberty to do it. It'll, if it's the true spirit, it'll keep you in the word. It'll keep you in that. But we don't just, oh, we're word, we're word, we're word, we're word. But there's a spirit that God has ordained to come on this word. And it's got to come. And if it doesn't come, we're lost. Because the prophet would say, we put too much emphasis on mechanics and not enough on dynamics. If, if you're just a little stale and dry, if, if, if it's just as easy for you to go to a website, or easier to go to a website and, and read the news than it is to pick up your Bible, then you, you ought to recognize sometimes there's a battle going on there. And sometimes you just got to put that thing down. Now, that doesn't mean you abstain from every every hockey score and every news article. No, that's got nothing to do with it. But put God first. Put God first. I'll tell you this, if you're missing church to go to a hockey game, you're doing wrong. And if you've done that, pardon, forgive you for it. If I was in, in, in Guatemala, I'd be saying, if you put God first and went to a soccer game, because they don't know anything about hockey over there. Do they, Brother Tito? It's all soccer. Hey, even Brother Tito went to a hockey game here from work. They invited him, and he goes, I can't stand it. Oh, just the noise and this. And, he, and, and listen, he went to a soccer game when they had snow here. He said, I can't stand that either. I can't stand that either in the snow. <coughs> okay, how did I get into that? I'm just saying, whatever your battle is, friends, you show God you mean business, and you watch him come to you. You place him first. You show him that. Now, I, I want you to... Just, I wanted to get to this part of the quote, and then I really got to get to two or three things. Now, he says, we sit in the desert, it's reclining. We're just, we're getting away from the Spirit. We should worship in the Spirit. The Spirit of God is not only our message should be the flame of the hour, it should be the flame in our hearts. You've, it's got to be in our hearts, or we can't rightly present it to the people. Now, listen to this statement. The Spirit has to pack the message. The Spirit has to pack the message. We, we, we love to major on what the prophet and the spirit and the bride says. And we look at the prophet and we look at the bride and we say we're one, but we forget about the spirit. Now the spirit that's packing the message is God who is desiring an entrance into a womb. Now, it's in the beginning... Genesis 1, verse 1. Just put that up, Sister Ruth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There was a framework. And the earth was without form, and the darkness was on the face of the deep. And it just sat there waiting for God to do something. No. God, he placed that, and now the Spirit of God began to move. And Brother Branham used these words, began to coo. It began to do something. And when it did, it started to bring forth something. Now, why don't you allow that God to do it? Maybe it's in before service, coming a little earlier. Maybe it's kneeling at the altar. Maybe it's what you do on a Saturday night before you come to Sunday service. Maybe it's what you do when, when you plan your week. And, and you know, you, you got, got this, but you know, Wednesday is this, and Tuesday there's a prayer meeting, and, and I, I'm going to make some space for you, Lord. And you know what? You might not be able to make it. I'm not, I'm not putting that kind of condemnation on you. But put God first. And you watch God come behind it. And I'll tell you what, there's a joy in walking with God. There's a joy in walking with the creator of heavens and earth. The one that made everything. The one who we're going to be with in eternity. It is not drudgery like the world makes it feel. 
<coughs> so the message was a womb. Let me take two or three points and get to my point. Boy, that doesn't sound good. God told Abraham that you're going to have a mighty nation after you. Now, Sarah convinced him that it was going to be through Hagar, and that's how God was going to fill the promise. And even after Ishmael came and God told Isaac, Abraham told God, he said, oh, that Ishmael may live. And he said, okay, I heard you. He'll have a great nation. But that's not the one I ordained. And the one I ordained was Sarah. So now in order to bring forth the promised son, it had to come to the ordained vessel. Now you can catch this in, in Seed is Not Air with the Shuck. There was Hagar, a promise slightly doubted. Uh, there was Sarah, natural, but there was also Mary. Now so here is, here is Sarah. Now God starts, he, everything that Sarah hears is just like Eve heard from Adam. Eve didn't hear from God directly, but Eve heard her husband Adam say, God said this, and God says that we should replenish the earth, and God says this. So everything she heard was from her husband, but now in the end, in Genesis 17, one year away, they're at the promise, and God comes, and he changes Abraham's name from Abraham to Abraham. He injects A-H, which is the life of God. And he doesn't just inject it into Abraham, but he injects it into Sarah. And you won't call her Sarah, but you'll call her Sarah. So now he's injecting his own life, not only into Abraham, but into the womb that would bring forth the promised son. So it's not just Brother Branham. The message has come for every one of us. I have ordained you to bring forth fruit unto life. It wasn't good enough to have the message and say, well, he was so led of the Spirit. We've got to be led of the Spirit. We've got to be under this unction. Now, that was a type because then in Genesis 18, now the emphasis changes. He comes to Abraham at the time of life. And the first question now is, where is Sarah? Now it's not about Abraham anymore. Now it's about Sarah. It's a season that we're in. Friends, the season we're in, all the trees are bringing forth buds. All the nations. I, I, you might look out naturally, but I'm talking the nations. The fig tree is bringing forth buds. But at that season, there's also a bride that's got to come into maturity. Now here, Brother Branham will we'll talk about this. Um, he'll actually say, well, I, we could jump into... Okay, to save time. Mary was a type of this. In seed is not air of the shuck, there's three women. There's Hagar, Sarah, and Mary. Mary was the promise fulfilled. Now it says, Mary, there was a word that was there, anointed by Isaiah, and it was there, and, there was an, and it was carrying around the earth, but at a time and at a season, Mary, now Brother Adam would say she was a 16-year-old girl, a 16-year-old girl. Wow, how many 16-year-old girls? Don't, don't raise your hands. You know, what we have today that would be so on the promises of God for your day. Oh, God. Now, she, she's meditating. She's thinking. And as she's thinking, now it brings an angelic dimension into her. It brings something to her. 
and it warms her, and it begins to talk and minister to her. And as it ministers to her, she begins to, and finally Gabriel appears to her. Now, I want you to think, she was just the womb. But look at how glorious this was. And she was just the womb. And now, just think about this. The forerunner who was going to bring this entrance, the forerunner was through John and Elizabeth, and she was also carrying in the womb. And up to the sixth month, it was dead. But that which Mary was carrying in her womb had so much life that when she spoke... Now, it wasn't even God speaking, but it was what Mary spoke that pronounced life unto the dead baby in Elizabeth. Now, you might think, okay, the message was just for my forefathers. No, the word you have, the word that's in you, it can resurrect the scriptures. It can bring them to life. It can do exactly what God said. It is the season we're living in. We are not under a dead message. We are under a living message. We are under the word of God that is here for us today. <coughs> And Brother Branham says, I, I have so many quotes from this message that I'm not going to read today. I'll read one or two. Finally, this is spoken word as the original seed. Finally, this word, it caught in the womb of a virgin. Now, Brother Branham says, I will speak of two wombs this afternoon. Now, I'm not going to speak on both. But he says, from him came forth the germ life, the water, the kernel, the chance to reproduce itself. The spirit came out of him and went up. Now he said there is a womb of the physical and there is a womb for the spirit. Do you believe that? There is a spiritual womb and a physical womb. Now just keep this in mind. Before Eve ever fell in the physical, it first happened in the spiritual. What's the difference between this Eve and that Eve is that we, David said, thy word have I held in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, God looks down and he sees you never did it in the first place. Oh, there's so much here. I, I, I can't get. You never did it, but he sees your desire. Now, the devil will trap you. He'll trap me. He'll catch you when you're weak. He'll catch you when you're tired. He'll say something. You'll do something. You'll look at something. That's got nothing to do with it. But I'll say this. You can't just leave it in that realm. Because he'll keep working in that. And he'll keep taking you down till you feel like I'm not good for nothing. But you've got to raise up and that say, Lord, I never meant to do that. I don't want that. And even though I have a weakness that way, Lord, I want you more than I want what the devil presents to me. And you begin to put that before God continually, and he'll act on that confession. That's what the Spirit comes to. Friends, the Spirit comes to these things in this hour. And, and, and in, in marriage and divorce, Brother Ryan says, now that the seals are open, the Spirit comes to the Word, comes to the whole truth. It doesn't come to partial truth. It comes to the whole truth. I'm a part of the whole truth. Okay. I, I really, 
There's so much here. Okay, I'm going to keep my promise about time. So turn me to Jeremiah 1. Jeremiah 1. We'll just use this for a little, for the next 15 minutes, we'll use this as a little illustration. Jeremiah 1, verse 4. Now, I want you to think about prophets and the prophetic realm, but not just the prophet who is ordained, but the prophecy which went out, which was also ordained, and has wide-reaching impacts. Jeremiah 1, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now this wasn't just to Israel, but this was to Babylon. Now I want you to think about how God looked at this prophet. Because this was an extension of God. I'm going to put my words in your mouth. I've ordained you. I, I knew the time would become, but I've placed you here for this reason. And now you need to look at it and say, now that prophet came for this season to, to be a witness for God. But there was also going to be a people that was going to span a period of time that were going to come under this prophecy. And they were going to be just as much a part of the prophecy as the man that was bringing it. So here's Jeremiah. He says, I knew you. I ordained you. And, and then I said, oh, Lord God, I cannot speak. I'm but a child. And the Lord said, say not unto me, I, say not I am a child, for you shall go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Amen. And now he says, furthermore, be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Now look at this next part. Now, he's ordained, he's a vessel, he's been given a commission, but then something happens. And the Lord says, the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. Oh, friends, that same God has touched our ears. That same God has touching our mouth. Because we also have a voice in this last day. That same God is here today. And he says, I, and he put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. And now look at this commission. I have set thee this day over the nations and over the kingdoms. Now there's Babylon there. It was Babylon in Genesis. It was Babylon in the middle. It's Babylon in the end. But friend, this Babylon in the end has also heard a voice. Genesis 18 verse 4. Come out among them, my people. Be not partakers of them. We've also heard a voice. Friends, since when is it when, when is it acceptable for us to reduce our standards from the voice that the prophet has already ordained? We are the chosen people of God. We are the holy people of God. We will not compromise on makeup, on dress, on what we watch, on what we look at. We are the voice, a living voice. 
I've set thee over this, over the nations and over the kingdoms. The prophet says, you'll have no more revivals, America. Why, you've turned down the word of the Lord. Now, I might not get to it this morning, but go and read Jeremiah 25. He says, because you've turned this down, now I'm sending you into 70 years of captivity. America, you'll have no more revivals. You'll have gatherings. I was out yesterday on the lawn tractor. I was also out cleaning gutters, in the pressure washer, lifting furniture. Enough to know that there's some muscles here I haven't felt for a while. <laughs> but I've had my headphones on. I just felt like maybe I had a bit of the blues. And I thought, usually I like to listen to a message. I'll just listen to some songs. And I put on my Spotify account and started to listen. You know, some of these songs, they're nice songs. But I know the people that are singing them. And it's, I, I feel this sense of entertainment and not a full commitment in the singing. And I just started to get, oh, Lord, something's not right. And then I just put on another artist who, I said, oh, there's something different about this. This is heartfelt. This means something. And I put on some believers, and, and oh, this, this hits this ministers underneath. There's a spirit in us, friends. If it's the spirit of the living God, keep it clean. Keep it pure. Let God, let God fill it. Don't fill it with lots of other stuff. And he's saying to them, Brother Brandon would say there's no more revivals. And now you look at the nations. And he says, I mean, you, you look at what they call revival. The revival that they had over in Kentucky. Brother Branham talked about that, that place. And he said they had a revival. They were out of the Wesleyan movement. And then they had another revival. And now they're having this. But I'll tell you what. There's not a lot of change. There's a, not a lot that's bringing them back to the bride. Oh, I'm not saying that there's something, good, there's something happening. Maybe people are warm. It's stopping from doing a few things. But to really bring them back to the kernel of the word. Oh, there's only one message for that. And he says, I've set thee over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. So before you ever build and you plant, you've got to root out, you've got to pull down, you've got to destroy. And then you can build and then you can plant. Now, what a commission. And people look in the days of Elijah. Oh, there's no rain. What's, what's going on here? Oh, that guy came in one day and said there would be no dew. There's not even any dew. One man caused a famine. One man sent by God has also brought a spiritual famine. Now, you can't put it any other way. But he's also brought life. Now, so here's, here's Jeremiah. I, I, I want you just to... Now, let's just go to Jeremiah 25 for a minute. I'll re, I will read this, and then I'll go to Daniel. Now, you just have to think about this sequence and this time. Here's Jeremiah ordained from the womb. Now, remember, 
Israel's about to go into captivity, but they've got to hear the word first. And when they turn down the word, God does not send judgment without bringing warning first. So he prophesies, he tells the king, he does all of these things. But now in Jeremiah, and I think it was Jeremiah, I don't know if I gave you this one, Sister Ruth, verse, chapter 25, verse 4. And the Lord has sent unto you all his servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, but you have not hearkened nor inclined your ear to hear. Turn you now, every one of you, from his evil way and from the evil of your doings, and dwell in the land which the Lord God has given unto you and to your fathers forever and ever. And go not, now he's saying, turn from your evil, all these things. Go not after the other gods to serve them, to worship them, to provoke me to anger with the works of your hands. I will do no hurt, yet you have not hearkened unto me. You've provoked me to anger. Therefore, saith the Lord of hosts, because you have not heard my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north. And the Lord said, And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land, against the inhabitants, against all the nations round about them, and will utterly destroy them, and make them an astonishment, and a hissing, and perpetual desolations. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones, and the light of the candle, and this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans, and I will make it a perpetual desolation, and I will bring upon all the land, all my words which I have pronounced against it, even all that is written in this book which Jeremiah has prophesied um, against all the nations. Now the message has gone out everywhere. Now I want you to look at this. Jeremiah was the prophet that was in Israel when all of this happened. He was called the weeping prophet because he was weeping over that nation. It was the spirit of Christ that was in him. They put him into a prison. It was a hole in the ground and they kept him in the hole. It was Jeremiah that told his nephew, you know, God has also prophesied that there will be inhabitation again. Take this scroll, put it in an earthen vessel, purchase the land, because God is going to, he's, he's given this, he's going to break that seal open later. There's going to be this again. But for now, this is what it is. Friends, we recognize where we are. So now here, here's Jeremiah. All of this is going on. And Jeremiah would, 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 would come and do that. He, he was in that time. Now, when Nebuchadnezzar came, he took all the children with them. He actually came a couple of times, and when they wouldn't listen, he came and took them again. But with them, he took Ezekiel. And Ezekiel was a prophet in the, in the place in, in, in where they were, in, in, in Babylon. And he also prophesied, and God would speak to him. But there was also a young man named Daniel. Let's want to use these last few minutes for this. And here was Daniel, just a young man. And as a young man, he was taken and he was among the elders and they were brought before the king. Right from the beginning, he set forth the standard with which he was going to serve God. <coughs> and Daniel served under four kings. And Daniel, right from the beginning, they were going to give him the king's meat because they had him in the, the king's. He was among the chief choices of princes. He had the wisdom and they had him there. We're going to give you the king's meat. And Daniel said, don't give us that. 
give us this pulse or these vegetables. Give us this, these things. We'll do better with it. And the king says, no, 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 I'm not going to do The king's chamberlain, I'm not going to do that. He says, give us 10 days. We'll show you. And after 10 days, they were better off than those that sat at the king's meat. Now, that is, you can have the fineries of the king of Babylon, or you can have the word of God that's come to you. Now, Daniel, now I'm, I'm really leaping quantum, but I'm, I'm trying to bring what was in the womb to what was prophesied now to the end. Now, here's Daniel. He's gone through king after king after king. Go with me. This will be my last scripture. Daniel chapter 9. Now, here's Daniel, and he's in the very end. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now, how did Daniel know this? Because he was reading the words of Jeremiah. He was reading the prophecy. He was in the word. He kept in the word. And now he's recognizing, hey, wait a minute. Daniel, A.D., no, sorry, B.C., this, 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 this. Hey, this is 68 years. We're coming to the end of the prophecy. And here's you and I reading books. Oh, it's just books. We're not in the meetings. We're just reading books. Wait a minute. This same God that worked with Daniel is working with a group right now. I, when I receive books, I receive the voice. I receive the spirit that comes on that voice to make it alive. Because now Daniel, he's waiting, he's waiting. But now he says, I'm in a different season. And friends, I cannot help but we're in a different season. There is not time to just continue on. It'll be church. We'll have special meetings. I think we need to actually set our faces towards something. I think we ought to pray for our meetings coming up. We've got a graduation coming June 9th. Brother John Andy's going to come. We've got special meetings coming at the, end of, at the end of July again. And we've got brothers that are coming. Now I just need to say is we need to set our faces not just to that, but to the season we're in. Because I'm not just looking at the man that is coming. I am looking at the God that is behind the man. The spirit that is behind the man. And my prayer has actually been, Lord, we want to see Jesus. My prayer has been, I don't want to just have a name. I want to see you, Lord. I want to see you more than I've ever seen you before. Because time has wound its way out. We are not we don't have years anymore. Listen, Russia is setting up. Israel is setting up. Economic systems are setting up. Everything is coming into place. Sodom and Gomorrah like we've never seen it before. And so Daniel, oh, I'm not just going to watch this intellectually. I know it, but now I'm going to step into it. And in verse 3 says, I set my face to the Lord to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Now, I, I can say, I'm going to pray for the meetings. 
But are you going to pray? Are you going to put yourself into it? Are you going to put yourself into our services? Listen, it's not good enough for a minister to be anointed. I I want that anointing to come to your home, to your family, to those loved ones. Are you going to put yourself into it? I think, hey, we're all in. There's been a few times in my life, not very often, there's there's been little little measuring rods. I I was a young man. I'd worked for my money. I'd saved my money. I, I I I was ready to, you know, I'd paid my tithes and God had started to bless and prosper because you put God first and God will bless you. But there'll be tests along the way. And the first time I ever... Ever came and I thought, I came across a car that I liked and I went to a dealer. I liked that car. And, I, and it was just like, that's my car. I know it is. And so it was this and this price. And I came in and they said, well, what, what do you, you know, you want the cars? Yeah, I'll offer you this. And I offered just a little less. Like I, if I would have got a shrewd negotiator, I would have maybe brought the price way down. Anyway, and they said, well, no, 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 we'll give it to you for this. And, and finally, it was just $300 over what I asked. And he said, listen, we'll split it in half. You just go over 150 Well, I'd already prayed. I said, Lord, if that's my car, I'll get it for that much. And it was so close, I could taste it. I could feel it. And I thought, okay, you got a deal. And I left from there, and I started to pray that night, and I didn't feel good. And I thought, I'm not, I don't feel right about this. So they're waiting for me to come pick up the car, and I didn't feel right. Finally, I came after three days, and I said, listen, I don't care if I lose the car. I made a promise to God, and I am not going to take that car for this price. The salesman goes, oh, brother, another one of these guys. You know, and just, and he, he walks out. He says, I'm going to get my manager. The manager comes out. He says, you want us to reduce the price because of such and such and such? I said, yeah. He says, you know, it's not going to work. And he takes out a Bible, and he thumps it down. And he says, the Bible says you honor your word. I said, that's what I'm doing. And he, he stomps back out. Everything's quiet. And I, at that moment, I will never take what I had, which was freedom. I'd thrown myself off the cliff of my own desires, and I placed myself in God's hands. Now, I've done that a number of times since. I've done that. I, I won't tell you all the times I've done it, but the times I've done it, there's no greater feeling than to know I've placed myself in God's hands. Ten minutes later, the salesman comes. He says, well, I believe God wants you to have that car because I'm going to give it to you for that price. (laughs) Now, I would not advise you to use that ploy when you go buy your next car because that was was my failure, but it was also God's grace. And you know the one thing about it? Wherever I drove that car, I knew God had given it to me. So... So that moment that guy came crashing into the side of my car, I said, what have you done to the Lord's car? Anyway, that's it. Anyway. So anyway, I'm just saying, here's Jeremiah, but now it comes to the end of the season. I'm winding down. Musicians come. It's coming to the end, and here's Daniel picking up these, these words. Oh, you say, I was never in the meetings. All I've got is these words, these books. Hey, something came on Daniel. It's got to come on us. The Spirit comes on the Word. That Spirit's got to come on young people. It's got to come on parents. It's got to come on ministers. We are in the season of fulfillment. We are not here just riding it out now. No, we're actually a part of it. That's another message for another day. Let's stand together. We are in the season of the coming of the Lord.
We are in the season of the coming of the Lord. The signs are all around us. The word has been restored. You can take away the promise of the day we waited for. We are in the season of the coming of the Lord. We are in the season of the coming of signs are all around us. The word has been restored. You can take away the promise of the day we've waited for. We are in the season of the coming of the Lord. I hope is in the Oh uh-huh. 